And welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast. Puckheads presented by Beerly Sports. I'm your host, Phil Razor, and I am once again joined by Nate Nasty McBride and Aaron the Killer Kenny. Aaron, we'll start with you since I went to Nate first last time. How are we doing tonight on this beautiful Tuesday evening? And we'll say later February. Uh, how's your week going? What are you drinking? Well, uh, my week has been a little rough here, boys. I am fighting a little something. Uh, I can't believe I got my voice sounding as good as it does right now, actually, because I was talking to clients earlier and it was just falling apart. So hopefully she holds up. Uh, apologize to any listeners for uh, any audio difficulties here. But most of that is because we just absolutely ripped it up Saturday night. Uh, big ass bonfire at my parents' house. Kind of kind of big surprise for me that the lady set up. Uh, shitload of people came out. Nate came out. Can't believe the man made the drive from uh, from inner Columbus to outer outskirts, but you know that's what good friends do. So, uh, yeah, just yeah. feeling feeling good despite uh, a little bit of a little bit of cold I caught out there. You know, partying in the 18 degree weather Saturday night. <laughs> that sounds chilly. Uh, also, happy birthday! I know uh, by the time this comes out, it'll be tomorrow, Wednesday the 21st. So, happy birthday, my guy! Hey, thanks, there, bud. What big big three zero? Uh, twenty nine. It's the last oh one before my life starts to fall apart. Hey, God. take it easy, man. I just hit that point, Buddy, and life's not falling apart yet. Hell I'm yeah, bro! You're giving me hope then. I'll be thirty three this year. I don't want to hear from either one of you. Your life doesn't fall apart at thirty. It actually just starts at thirty. Nate, how are we doing, my guy? How's your week going? What are we drinking tonight? Life's good, man. Week's going good. It's, uh, we, you know, love, I do enjoy my job because we follow all bank and federal holidays. So I had Monday off for President's Day. What up? Let's go. We like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I did the damn thing and grew roots in my couch, man. It was fucking Spud City up in that bitch. It was great. Um, tonight, rocking with the 614 logger once again, riding high on the 614. It's a great time to be in Columbus, um, even if you're a hockey fan. Even if you're a hockey fan, it's a great time to be alive. Guys, I just, but Phil, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I am well. I'm doing well. I appreciate it. Um, I'm an idiot, and I put my beer in a mug, but it's just, you know, a little Mick Ultra in here. It's about half gone already. Um, nothing, too, nothing too sexy tonight. It was my last one, though, and I already threw it in the trash, so I'm an idiot for not having my can, but I don't think Mick Ultra is knocking down our door quite yet we'd like to get garage beer so we're still on to you guys it's not like um, we really have much video streaming anyway i don't think uh nobody's really missing yeah. out on your mick ultra can yeah exactly yeah no i'm doing well um you know no complaints down here it's not 18 degrees at night here uh we're finally getting back up into the 60s during the day most of the time um so finally getting back into the weather that i uh, moved here for which is wonderful. Um, the hockey down here is going well. Watch the uh, the Canes last night at a birthday party. Absolutely, uh, put the old clapper on uh, on the Blackhawks. But you know the Blackhawks are obviously the worst team in the league. So um, the hockey's a little different down here. But otherwise, life is good. Speaking of good hockey, boys, we got to hop in. We've had some games in the last couple of podcasts. We've been talking about teams tonight. We're going to start with games, and we had the stadium series over the weekend. And on Saturday, uh, Saturday evening, we had the Flyers and the Devils. Great game. Loved the, you know, I, I personally, I like, you know, seeing what the teams wear into the stadium. I think it's cool that everybody does a theme. You know, they, they kind of like buy into the fun of it. 
Uh, but the game we got to talk about first was that Rags Isles game. The New York Rangers and the New York Islanders did not disappoint. Well, you know what did disappoint though? You were talking about the uniforms they wear into the game. Lou Lamorello's bitch ass just put the he put the clamps down. The Islanders were just dressed up as the New York Islanders walking into the game. The only ones that didn't participate into the uh, the walk-in outfits. So you know Lou Lamorello sucking the fun out of shit again. Of course, and it's funny you say that too because. I'm. I saw this, you know, come up. Um, I see this come up many times. People try to predict future ones too. I think that could be a fun, um, you know, off-season podcast. Listeners, if you guys like that idea, where maybe in the off-season we talk of, you know, put a segment in there where we try to guess based on the matchups uh, what they're going to do next year and see if we get any of them right. You know, I think that that'd be kind of fun, like a little game we could play uh, come July when the hockey news is slow. But let's get to this Rangers Islanders game. This game had a little bit of everything in it, and. You know, we started off early with a goal from uh, Eric Gustafson. He scored in the first 90 seconds. And right after that, I don't know if, if you guys are aware or if the listeners are as aware, but Matt Rempe made his debut in an outdoor game. Welcome to the league, kid. Here you go. There's 80,000 or whatever, how many people are there um, at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. And before they even drop the puck, he's just already in a fight. I believe it was Matt Martin. And before he even gets a chance to skate around and get his feet underneath him, you know, we're off to the races here, chucking knocks out in the cold. And I think that really set the tone for this game because the <laughs> Islanders had all the control early. I believe they were up 3-1 at the end of the first period. And, you know, the Islanders were kind of in control of the game for majority, for most of the game until the end, where the Rangers scored twice in the last two minutes to tie it at five, and then a controversial game-winning goal at the end from Artemi Panarin. The net had been dislodged. However, he was already in a shooting motion. He had just deked uh, Sorokin. He was going around him to slide the puck in. And uh, the puck crossed, although the net was at a very odd, ajar angle. Um, but the goal stood. I have not seen a game end like that. I thought it was interesting to watch a puck just cross a line with no cage. But um, the Rangers ended up coming back and getting that win 6-5. to five, So... Uh, Nate, we'll start with you. I don't know if you saw the highlights or watched the game or anything, um, but I wanted to see if you had any uh, thoughts or takeaways. Stadium series in general over the weekend, um, you know, that particular game or, um, you know, any particular players involved in that game that you really stood out to you? Uh, I'll tell you what. Just overall, based on what I've kind of heard, I didn't see much of the game, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, my my interests were elsewhere. Um, but just kind of from what I've heard, some of the highlights I've seen, I'll tell you, it seemed like the Islanders might have dominated this game for much of the time, and New and the Rangers got away with a win. They they skated out of there and stole a win, and you know what? They don't ask how, boys. They ask how many, and that's at the end of the day for the Rags. You got the win in MetLife Stadium. More wins than any NFL team does in New York in January or February, but you know, <laughs> there we go. I'm sure the uh, the New York listeners will love that subtle dig there at the end, there, Nate. Um, yeah, I mean, Aaron, I don't know. I mean, uh, oh, I think I think a... I I will say I the I or the Rangers definitely won the uh, won the uniforms in my opinion. Oh yeah, New York definitely the Rangers definitely won those in that in that sense. Um, the other game. From a uniforms perspective, 
That's a tough one. I like both the I like both uniforms in that other in that New Jersey Philly game. Like both yeah. of them were both of them were clean. I don't think I could really pick a winner in that one. Yeah, the dude the Isles sweaters, they look like uh, it. It looks like an off-brand version of like the shitty pretentious Harvard sweaters that those guys wear. Like just a big stripe with the name in front of them. Just no creativity whatsoever. Um, what would you expect from a Lou Amarillo led team? Right. So like. Like you said, Nate, it did seem like the Islanders kind of carried the play, but that's it, that's almost kind of their mo. Like they they seem to control chances and play, and you know do all that stuff. They're good five on five, and they were able to score some goals, but like they just don't necessarily have the star power, the guys that score the big goals in the big moments. And Artemi Panarin is just solidifying his case to finish in like the top tier of the heart voting here. Like, I don't think he's going to win the award just because the outrageous seasons. Some of these other guys are having like, you know, you got McKinnon Kucherov are just both tearing it up. Austin Matthews is now on pace for like 78 goals this season. So like he's starting to make his case, but uh, Panarin is just taking it to another level for the Rangers this year. And that, that game winner that he had, I believe that was his second goal of the game too. That was just a thing of beauty. Despite, the I forget who it was, one of the Islanders defenders sliding into the net to try and dislodge it and make it not count. But you know, yep. the NHL has a rule for that. But yeah, altogether yep. just a great spectacle over time. The pyrotechnics going off in the in the crowd is kind of cool too. So I think it was just well done overall by the league and by the Rangers. I agree. Um it, that was Panarin's uh, third point of the night. Um Vinny Trocek had two goals in that game. They really stood out to me uh for the Rangers. For the Islanders, I have to say, the number one guy that stood out to me, and I will eat crow on this because I did not give him the credit where credit was due earlier this year, and I need to, and it's Noah Dobson. He was absolutely snapping it around the entire night. He had three apples on the night. Big props to Noah Dobson. He's definitely top five um, for me in terms of the Norris right now. Um, He won't win it. I mean, Quinn Hughes basically has it wrapped up if he keeps – producing at the level he is because that's what they do now he and but, kale mccarr I, I think are still and right then there i was gonna say kale mccarr has an has has a puncher's chance if you will um i think kale mccarr is the better player for the record but quinn hughes is having a better season which is fine i mean did, um, did mccarr fall off that much because they were like right there with in points and production and everything i'm also giving a little bit of the credit that i think they'll give it to the guy that probably ends up playing for the president's trophy team but we'll get to them in a little bit um, because they had an absolute gong show of a game. Um, but yeah, uh, my biggest concern in this game, once again, Igor Shosturkin, man, just not good enough. His team picked him up, but he, once again, not good enough. Maybe it's the blue line. Maybe I'm oblivious. But once again, you know, I, and I'm not mad. You're going to put an outdoor game on a Sunday afternoon, first Sunday without football. We all want to be entertained, and they certainly entertained us. But I'm still a little concerned about Shosturkin moving forward if I'm the New York Rangers. Yeah. I mean, he, he did let in a couple clunkers there. That that one four-on-four goal, which, as you mentioned, Noah Dobson just flying up the ice up to uh, Bo Horvat. But, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he should have had that one. It's I, I still think he'll figure it out, but it is starting to get to the point where you're like, yeah, we, we need to see some improvement here from old Igor. I mean, five five goals is 
That's that's worrisome, man. You can't you can't win game. You can't rely on your team to outscore and win you games. You know, after allowing five, you you've just got to be better than that. You got to find. I mean, yeah, you got to wonder if he's not seeing the puck right. If you know his, if maybe he's his defenders are putting up blockades that he can't see through. But man, you got to figure it out. Got to do something. Um, Absolutely. If we're done What's on up? this game, I, I would like to pivot in the goaltending vein. Uh, a team that I've been surprised to see start getting a little bit of goaltending, the New Jersey Devils, Nico Dawes is looking like he might be this year's Akira Schmid. Like, Vitek Vanacek shits the bed again. That guy's totally washed. I'd be surprised if they turn to him much at all now. But Nico Dawes is yep. stringing together a few starts. Dude, that that game on Saturday night, I was going to bring this up too with you. I was going to give a little bit of credit uh, to the Devils one. Um, well, for the Flyers send, shout out to Owen Tippett. Nice little two-goal night for him on a, on a big stage. Um, could only boost his confidence. But, you know, and outside of the, you know, three-point night for Nico, um, and then obviously <laughs> two goals from uh, Nathan Bastion did not, you know, have that one on the uh, the old bingo card. But, um, yeah, like you said, Nico Dawes, man, saved 45 of 48 for a 938 save percentage that night. You face 48 shots. You give up three goals. You know, I, I think most teams will take that on any given night. And, you know, they happen to do it on the biggest stage, and he stepped up. And I think there's something, you know, absolutely to be said for that. Oh, a thousand percent. Like, Nico Dawes is really filling the void that New Jersey's been really – it, like th that's what's hindered them this year has been their goaltending between Akira Schmid, between uh, Vitek Vanacek. Like they just have not gotten the performance and Nico Dawes is finally giving them what they need. Um, and honestly with him performing this way, it brings, it, it definitely brings them into the conversation of, of movers at the deadline and a team that's looking at goaltending. And this is a team that has a shit ton, absolute shit ton of cap space on LTIR. Mm -hmm. LTIR right now. They, yeah, that, that's a great point, Nate. That is a great point that they do have uh, the kind of, you know, they have the wiggle room that can go out there and, you know, get what's available to them. And there are quite a few goaltending options that are available. And we're going to get into this segment later, but do you guys have anybody in mind off the bat that you would like to see end up in New Jersey to help them? Because right now, that win over the Flyers is huge. They have two games in hand on the Flyers, but they're five points back right now. So even if they win both, they're still a point back at the end of the year. So um, that was a big two-point, you know, four-point swing for them on Saturday. There's only, I'd say, for them, I'd say there's only, there's two names. There's two names that I would look at if you're New Jersey. And that's Jacob Markstrom, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. And... Minnesota is skyrocketing right now. Jacob Markstrom is a is a good shout. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumors that they've been in talks to get Markstrom here. Um, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, I think they actually like Calgary's GM actually approached him about like possibly doing a move there, and then I think, I think it's I think it makes I think it makes the absolute most sense in the world. I think for, the uh, for... oh yeah. I think the, the deal kind of fell apart because it, it was looking like it was maybe even going to be like Markstrom and Tanev going there because they need help on the blue line too, which 
I don't know you, if with, Tanev... with Doug with Hamilton with Hamilton out. I mean, yeah, yeah you if you're New Jersey, you wouldn't mind getting either Tanev or Hannafin, one of the two. I I think Hannafin would be Hannafin a better fits option. Their system so much better. I I don't think Tanev is a good fit for the way they play. Like I think he's... I mean if you're New Jersey if you're New Jersey in that situation though you're you're having to get up you're having to give up futures like you've got yeah. to give up futures and it's players and it's and it's picks and honestly. You're, I mean, you're you're pretty pick rich. Like you've got your first rounder in this draft, and in, uh, let's see, you've got you've got your first rounder in the next three drafts. Yeah, and it might be it might be time it might be time to say, yeah, let's part with ways. And and honestly, you you want to try to re-sign Hannafin. And their their prospect pool is pretty stacked too. Like they got some disposable assets there and young players because they're. Like especially in the bottom six, um, I think it's Alexander Holtz. Like he is not a guy who's like really found a home in the top six, and he's more of a skill guy. Like Lindy Ruff just hasn't been able to move him up. They got too much talent up there. Like a guy like that, or somebody who could maybe perform better in a different environment with more opportunity. I, I think they've got the the pieces to make a deal like that work. It's just whether or not they want to pull the trigger, whether or not Calgary can make it work from their perspective. It's I wouldn't be surprised to see something eventually happen there, though. It's I, I feel like I mean Calgary's Calgary's the move Calgary's this big selling team right now. I mean they're the yeah. first ones that are marking themselves as sellers. So yeah, they've already unloaded yeah. too. Yeah, they already they've already started the process of that. Absolutely, uh, Markstrom's a six million dollar cap at the next two years, so it's nice for the Devils too because they they would have him for you know this year's playoff push. And then they can go into the next two seasons with their number one. They don't have to worry about it for a while. And then they can reassess where they're at after his contract is up. Um, his salary is a lot less than the $6 million cap hit. Um, but regardless, you know, these are he, this is his last year of his uh, his big money, you know, spread out over time. But obviously the cap hit evens it out over, over the years. But that's NHL financials. And that's not what we're here to discuss right now. Um yeah, I mean, you know, like we said, big win for the Devils in their home state. You know, that definitely, you know, felt good for them. And we'll see how they, you know, trend going forward as they're sitting there fourth in the Metropolitan Division. Boys, we had a metric shit ton of matinee games on President's Day, as Nate alluded to earlier yesterday. And the winner, there were a lot of great games. That Boston-Dallas game was great. Marshan's thousandth game, stick daps to Marchie. Um, you know, he went out there and got a fight, you know, his team ended up winning Pasternak with the, you know, late tying goal, um, you know, with the empty net Dallas outplayed the shit out of them, but Boston ended up winning the game. They weren't going to lose on Marshan's thousandth game, but the game I want to talk about was the absolute gong show of the day. Folks, if you have not seen the highlights of this, you will not be disappointed. Minnesota and Vancouver. I've watched the first period and I was like, okay, Vancouver took a two, one lead in, um, nice little goal for uh, Ian Cole, by the way. Just absolutely dog-walked everybody to the front of the net, which I didn't know he had that in his arsenal, but good for him. At the end of the second period, it was five, you know, it was five to three. You're like, okay, you know, we got – it's a high-scoring game, but Vancouver's pretty much in control. Boys, this game ended Minnesota 10, Vancouver 7. Seven third-period goals for the Minnesota Wild. I don't think I've ever seen – anything like that at least that comes to mind i mean i mean just re just reading off the times of goals you've got joel erickson at 29 seconds in kaprizov a minute 23 in erickson again a minute 44 in 
Marco Rossi, 4.48 in. So there's our, so now we're almost five minutes in. Now we're officially five minutes in. Kaprizov makes it 8.5. Then we go 8.26. Zadorov makes it 8.6. Now, and then we have this long gap of nothing happening. Then we get to 17.52. Brock Besser makes it 8.7. Then 18.53. Brodeen may or Jonas Brodeen makes it 9-7. And then 1958, Kaprizov 10-7. Yeah. yeah. When's, the last, when's the last time you boys saw three hat tricks in an NHL game? JT Miller opens bring... it up, then Erickson Eck, then Kaprizov. Unreal. I, I was gonna say the same thing. There were three hat tricks in this game, which is just mind-boggling. Uh I never. I mean at when was the last time we saw two? You know? It's yeah, it's it's been a minute. Um two, I I feel like you're good for two maybe once every couple years. But yeah. like three, you just never see that. No. It's like watching a guy it's like when uh was it Gagne had five goals in a game, you're like, What the hell is going on, Sam Gagne? Or like what, ten points in a game, whatever it was. I think he had eight ridiculous. he had eight points in a game. Eight there we go. Eight points in a game, like that's you see someone do something like that, or Mc, even McDavid last week with the you know with the six apples in a game, like that's absurd, right? To see three hat tricks though, like I last was, one, like, boys, the last one, the last one was November eighth, nineteen ninety two, when Mike Donnelly, Mike Donnelly, Luke Robitaille, and Yari Curry all got him for Los Angeles in an eleven four win over the San Jose Sharks. That wow. is a throwback stat guy Nate performance there, man. Quick with that the fucking so, keys. Round of applause for Nate there. Folks. So if you so if you think about that, boys, think about that. That is thirty-two years. I wasn't even a year old yet. I was the only person on this podcast who was alive when it happened. Thirty-two Unreal. years. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I That's wasn't wild. born yet. I wasn't. I born. wasn't born yet. I wasn't even conceived. My parents might not have even been married. That's, isn't that, it's like, yeah, so every 32 years, and that was a very different NHL than we have now, too. To do it in the modern NHL is tough, but I mean, that, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think the fact, I think it's more surprising that the fact that, you know, it has been since 1992 with the way that the modern game has developed, like, I feel like we would have had at least a three, a three hat trick game at some point in this modern era where goals are just, you know, rampant. I was giving more credit to like the fact that we roll four lines deep now and the goaltenders are better, but I I get what you're saying too, Nate. I'm also surprised that we haven't seen one in a game that Edmonton's involved in because they're so top heavy and rely so much on McDavid and Dreisaitl, not so much in recent seasons, but like they're for a long stretch. It's like, you're surprised that those guys didn't both have hat tricks and then they allow so many, you'd, you'd expect one of their opponents to have one as well, but uh, apparently not. Yeah, and then, yeah, maybe like Nugent Hopkins sneaks in there with one or like Zach Hyman. Yeah, Or like one of that. the guys on the other team since Edmonton can't keep pucks out of their net either. They would be the team that would have two on their team and then two on the other, and they'd right. play like eight, seven, four hat tricks. There exactly. Yeah, that was, that was just a crazy game. I had to give a shout-out. Shout-out to the boys of the Soda Pod. Um, Hoppy and Isha, they were having a blast on, on social media yesterday, kind of walking through that one. And yeah, if you have a chance to go check that out, I'm sure they'll have a an amazing recap podcast uh, of 
what you could argue is uh, probably the craziest game the Wild have played in the regular season, maybe ever. Um, but, hey, you know what? The uh, At the end of the day, the Vikings took down uh, whatever NFL team would theoretically be in Vancouver 10-7. to I mean, it ended up a, a crazy football score. So, Dude, um, the, uh, very cool. the player that Joel Erickson Eck has turned into also, real quick before we move on to this, like that guy yeah. looks like a legit top center for that Wild team now, which they have not had since Miko Koivu and he wasn't even like an offensive guy he was just a shut down selkie guy so that's that's a nice little development there for them to see him turn into this guy for sure for sure um boys if there's no other games that we would like to uh discuss here I would like to hop into a segment where like I said at the beginning of the podcast we do a lot of uh, discussion about teams Today, we're going to talk about teams that we think are buyers, teams we think are sellers, and players we think are going to be on the move. We obviously already said Jacob Markstrom because um, we discussed New Jersey. I was going to throw a couple teams out here, and Nate, we'll start with you, and we'll kind of go around and see what everybody thinks. But the first team I'm looking at right now, buyers or sellers, the Detroit Red Wings. Um, the Detroit Red Wings are buyers. A thousand percent like the, the Stevie Y is in it for this year. He wants to make moves to get this team in a position. I mean, I know they're in fifth right now. Like I've said, the Atlantic is a tough division. Being fifth in the Atlantic is still not a bad thing because still because right now they're still sitting in that number two wild card spot with a four point gap on New Jersey. So, mm -hmm. yes, this team needs to be buying because if New Jersey's buying then they need to be buying 100%. I don't think they're in the goalie market. They've been rocking a three-goalie system all year, and I think it's kind of working, even though Vili Huso's been pretty absent out of that rotation. It's really been Reimer and Alex Lyon going Huso's at it. On and off, too. Yeah, but still, you, ha you haven't gotten the performances from him when he has been in. Um, and honestly, it, but honestly, you might be in the market because Reimer's a UFA at the end of this year. So... I think even a guy like Markstrom or even a, even possibly an Elvis Merzlikens could be of interest to Detroit if you're if you're looking at that. I, um, they're going to have to do some cap gymnastics for that one. I think yeah. they're they're yeah. hitching their uh, cart to the Alex Lyon horse, man. He this is the second year in a row he's done this, come up from like a third string role with the team that's why stars I have struggled. I I like his game a lot. I do too, and that's why that's why I really don't think Detroit is in the goalie market. But that's why I said if you if if they were, I I would pre I would predict Markstrom or possibly a Merzlikens. But even then, like you guys said, you're having to do some real bad cap gymnastics for Merzlikens. Um, honestly, I think this team's I think this team's looking for some bottom six defense or bottom six offense. Sorry, um, and I think they're looking maybe for a bottom maybe a bottom four defenseman. I. I agree with the uh, the scoring depth. A guy that I really like for a lot of these teams, I mean, that you can plug and play this guy anywhere on any team we talk about as buyers, but especially Detroit who needs some depth scoring and has some talented pieces. Anthony Duclair, he's yeah. had a down year in San Jose for a while, which, you know, it, in the past we've seen him go cold for a little bit when he's on bad teams. Uh, two goals Saturday night. A goal two games before he's starting to heat up a little bit i think coming out of all-star he's like all right if i want to go play for a contender i got to get my ass in gear but his speed is something that detroit does not have a lot of i mean this guy's just got some nasty wheels and he can play anywhere in the lineup um 
on the blue line, I think Detroit really needs to make a move for just a well-rounded two-way defenseman. I I think Hannafin would be perfect there, but I don't think they can afford him. They, they've hamstrung themselves with these dog shit contracts to some of these aging guys. Um, I what, mean, about a, what about – what about – hey, I got a name for you here possibly in, in Detroit. I mean, it's a veteran guy, maybe a Jared Tendori. Tenorti? Uh, Tenorti, yeah, sorry. Maybe. I see the the thing for me though. I I think they they are overloaded with these veteran guys who just are kind of past their prime. I want to see them get like. A but you've got guy he's a, he's, a, he's a UFA. He's a UFA after this season, so he's a he's a rental. Right. Like I I get that. I just don't. I think they've got enough of that right now. Like for this season, I want to see them get uh like a younger mobile guy who can play with Mo Sider and kind of take either play with him or a guy who can take some of the defensive workload off of him so he can find his offensive game a little bit more. Like, uh, Ooh, I think ooh, somebody, how about, yeah, how about a, what about a What about an Alexander Carrier out of Nashville? Maybe, maybe I guess he's a, he, he's a U he's a UFA at the end of this year. 2.5 possibly 27 27 years old 27 years old so he's still young he's got some he's got some legs on him also in Nashville I think I, I mean I think Nashville could be sellers at the deadline I I think I, you know you've got Tyson Berry there as well that's going to be a UFA that's at the end of this year that's a guy uh, I hey, think would be great for Aaron, Detroit this is this is who I'm going to throw out for Detroit I've done some research on this uh he's you know, a one year, he's a UFA at the end of the year. He's playing for a team, or he's an RFA at the end of the year. I'm sorry. A team that is not there, but I think this could be a good match. What do you think about Sean Dursey? Sean Dursey, spectacular addition if they can get him. And I mean, he's cheap. I mean, he's, he's you cheap. might, I mean, I'm looking at it. The, the thing is, Arizona a one, is going to... He's a 1.7 mil hit right now. But Arizona is going to do anything and everything in their power to keep this guy. It, oh, the I, thing is... I think so, too. The thing is, they're, like, with the arena situation now, if he, like, just tells them, you know, fuck you guys, I'm out, absolutely everyone should be scrambling to bring him in. But yeah. Arizona, I don't think, has a single defenseman under contract next season. So they're going to be uh, doing everything they can to keep a hold of this guy i i 100 um in fact next year i'm looking at it right now they have four rfas going into next year and then they have Dumba, brown stetcher and dermot that are all ufa so it could be an entirely new look blue line um in arizona next year i brought up i mean i mean the problem is their cap you know the cap space that that the wings don't have, but that's a you know a younger guy that I think would be a nice addition um, to pair with Mo Sider 100. percent Dude, they need to kick one of Ben Sherat, Jeff Petrie, or Ali Mata out the fucking door somehow. Unload picks or assets, whatever you got to do to get one of these old fucking clunkers off your blue line after you spend all this stupid money to sign him. That's why like. I'm not sold on Steve Eiserman being this genius GM that everybody thinks he is because, like, your entire blue line is fucking overpaid and past their prime outside of Jake Wallman and Mo Sider. And then you got Goss' yeah. Bears, like, a journeyman 
offensive specialist. Who that that was a quality signing, but everybody else there outside of the top pairing is just real fucking tough to watch. It is, and Detroit is right there. But it, you know, obviously, we we could speculate names all day. So, uh, to the listeners, if there are Wings fans out there, and this goes for everybody else, as we speak about other teams down the line, if you have guys that you want to see brought in that are realistic. Do not tell us, as a Wings fan, you want Eric Carlson. That is not realistic. Um, nope. But, you know, if you have realistic ones, tweet at us at Barely Hockey. We'd be happy to, you know, take those in and, uh, you know, discuss that on Twitter. And while you're there, make sure you hop over to the Barely Sports Instagram page. Uh, give us a follow there as well. Uh, check out our merch store um, on the Barely Hockey – sorry, Barely Sports Instagram page and I'm, I'm um, on the listening platform of your choice, make sure you leave us a five star review um, as well. So uh, boys, <laughs> let's hop over to their team now. And this is one that I, we kind of mentioned already, but <laughs> they're both sitting at 58 points. Okay? I don't know, you know, where we're looking here, but between the two of them, one of them's hot right now and one of them's not. Who do you think is going to be a bigger seller and a bigger buyer between the Predators and the Wild? I think I, I think the Wild. I think I honestly I think the I think the Wild are going to be possibly buyers, and I think it's dumb. But I, I I'd put them as the buyers, and I'd put Nashville as the sellers. I am. I think either of these teams is dumb if they make a pure buy or sell move. The only way I see it, any of this makes sense, like it's, it's obvious that Tyson Berry has requested a trade from Nashville. They're shopping him actively, but I, yep. I view that more of like a lateral move. Like they're going to be looking at trying to move him out to bring in an area of need, like a, a depth scoring forward or, you know, a young prospect for something like that. I, Minnesota the same way. Like I don't see these guys spending any assets for the future to bring somebody in for this season because they know they don't have a great chance to go deep. But if they can make a lateral move where like you're trading valuable player for valuable player in an area of need, I could see that happening because they're both in the race. They just don't want to sell the farm to uh, to improve for this season. I just, uh, Nashville, Nashville, like Nashville's in a weird place because you know two two to three years ago they had all this really young talent that was like everybody was talking about they were going to be the next guys i mean you you're you're michael mccarrens you're tommy novaks you're gurianovs um or sorry not gurianov um but you know trennan sissons and you know sissons is now 30 luke evangelista Luke Evangelista, exactly. Um, which you know they've got him locked up for a couple more years. He's twenty one, but you know Tommy Novak, twenty six. You know yeah. hasn't really hasn't really. He's been good, but not great. Um, I mean, man, I I just don't know. I don't know how I feel about this team. I I think they have some good talent down there. You just don't. I, I don't know where Barry Trotz wants to go with this team right now. Well, I know where Barry Trotz does not want to go with this team is to Vegas to see you too because they had a uh, a trip planned. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Oh, well, God. you get you, yeah, but you get yeah. I, I was actually it's funny you mentioned it because I was just listening to Thirty Two Thoughts where uh, where Elliot Friedman was talking about this. Yeah, so like 
They're planning on rolling into Vegas a day early, a little team bonding. Go see U2 in the sphere. They get absolutely curb stomped by Dallas. Matt Duchesne returns. <laughs> Matt Duchesne returns to Nashville, pumps a couple of goals by him, then goes out and sings karaoke at fucking Tootsie's to just yeah, shit all over him. And Barry Trotz is like, you know what? Team trip's canceled. You motherfuckers are not taking this seriously. Then they go out and pump the blues. So, like, maybe that woke him up and they go on a little bit of a run or something here. I don't know. But that was cold-blooded by old uh, Barry for a team that we're not really sure is playoff caliber. But he did say at the beginning of the season he wanted to bring in winners when he signed a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. And, uh, oh, I can never remember his name, the defenseman who went to the Leafs from Chicago last year. Luke Shen, I think it was. but Yeah, yeah Luke Shen. But, yeah, like – I just thought that was hysterical. It's like that's a that's almost like a Lulier Morello move. You know, Barry Barry studied under him up there on the island for a little while, and now he's pulling those out too. One hundred percent. Um, from teams that I think you know that we're thinking are going to be sellers, and there's others we can talk about um, as we you know rapidly approach this uh, this deadline. But a team that's going to absolutely be a buyer is you know the carolina hurricanes and we've talked about their goaltending um they have issues freddie's back out there skating which is great you know i'd love to see them bring in because they have a lot of going forward defensemen there's a guy in anaheim that i think would be perfect and it's Ilya labushkin i think he'd be great on the third line in carolina just a stay-at-home defenseman gives you nothing offensively but he will kill every you know help you kill every penalty will block shots eat pucks it's a little bit like I think Rod the Bod a little overcorrected, uh, you know, maybe a little bit overcorrection this year. They got to get back to that beautiful medium of what, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, put it all together and see if they can ma- finally make that, you know, cup run. And I think a guy like Labushkin on a, you know, last year of his deal in Anaheim, that team is dead in the water. Go get him. Two point seven five million. Go get him. Yep, I could see that. Uh, he was good in Toronto in the similar role there a couple seasons ago. Um, another guy out of Anaheim, which this has really fallen by the wayside in a lot of the conversation. John Gibson, dude. I, I'm yeah. still beating the drum that this guy's good. He's just on a dog shit Ducks team. Uh, he put yep. up another, you know, quintessential John Gibson stat line the other day. Anaheim had 15 shots on goal. Uh, I forget who they were playing, but they had like 47 and the Ducks ended up winning like 2-1 or something like that. I mean, John Gibson just standing on his head. Uh, Imagine how good he would look behind that Canes defense. And he's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than a guy like Markstrom. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's not, I mean, he's not cheap by any means. I think he's making like six and a half sheets. No, no, I mean, cheap in in acquisition costs. Correct. And also Anaheim can eat half of that salary. Calgary has historically not wanted to eat salary. Yeah, I think that would that'd be a great pairing to send to Carolina for. I mean, th- I think that pairing is probably worth a first round pick. Maybe oh, I'm easily, there, dude. But, but I think easily. it's worth a first round pick. Maybe, you know, maybe some other assets involved as well. Oh my God, you're getting attacked right now over there. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think that that combination going from the West Coast over to the East Coast, you know, it'd be a you know wild change in a you know, their body clock, but I think that would be a good move for the Carolina Hurricanes moving forward. Team that we haven't really talked about that's just sitting there quietly, number two in the Metro, beating the teams they should. They've had some stinkers this year, too, and a lot of goaltending issues, but they're just waiting right there, you know, for that 2-3 matchup. If they get matched up with the Flyers in the first round, oh, my God. 
the Rod so, Brindamore bowl against John Tortorella would be phenomenal. So, guys, I, I wanted to just toss a couple names out there of guys that are, you know, pending UFAs, you know, could be good one year, you know, good short term rentals for some teams. See where you see where you guys could see them landing. Um, and I and I want to start with, you know, the crackheads. We got to start out there because I think that's a team that's going to be sellers. They don't I don't think they see themselves being in that position this year. Two names on the offense, Jordan Eberly and Alexander Wenberg. Wenberg is great scoring depth. And I think Eberly has a lot of playoff experience. So the grind to Eberly won't be, you know, as new in my opinion. Eberly's um, a good offensive player too, dude. He's got a lot of skill. Oh, he is. He absolutely he, is. He's just veteran. He's veteran. He's 33. Um, yeah, I can see. Uh, I'm just kind of spitballing here. A team that fits a Wenberg style. Oh, man. Oh. Toronto. <laughs> Wenberg would look damn good in Toronto. You know where else I think he could, where else I think he could have a big impact? I just, I just don't know. They, I don't think they have the cap to do it. But I think he could have a huge impact in Boston. Oh, yeah, Boston. That'd be interesting to see him in Boston because they're not really much of a finesse team, and he's definitely a finesse player. But maybe that's a little wrinkle they could add in on their third line. Maybe that means they need a finesse player to balance him out. Yeah, I'm thinking more centers for the Bruins anyways. But, I mean, yeah, Wenberg, third line, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he is a center. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense, third line center. Like, yeah, Nate, that's a great shout. I, you know, Toronto, I think he fits their style, but you make a great point there, Nate. I, I think he could be interesting there. Um, another team that I think, you know, could really benefit from him, but again, no cap space, but probably not a lot of cap space for it. Um, man, could you, I, I just, I don't know why, but could you imagine him on the aisles if they made, if they were buyers? It's interesting. That's an interesting one. He I can't imagine anyone on the aisles. I, Either yeah, I don't that or, or... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. I, I was done. I was just throwing yeah, my I shot on the really Islanders. Don't take anything I say about the Islanders seriously. What about what about Jordan Everly, though? Where, where could you see a guy like Jordan Everly? Well, he was on the Islanders, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. They yeah. could use a guy like he, him. Yep. What about Jordan Everly, man? Mm, man. What if, what if they put him on the fourth line in Dallas? Like, could you imagine? Colorado? Nah, I don't see you him fourth I mean? liner in Dallas. They, they're they not making any offensive moves. They're they're so deep on offense, and their fourth line is perfect where they're at. They, like, they pin you in. Bro. They score clutch goals. They need defensemen who can move the puck. That's their biggest need. Tyson Berry. I could see it. I could see that, actually. Tyson yeah. Berry to Dallas. Now that we're kind of spitballing this out loud. Tyson Berry to Dallas could be a could be a move, but I mean, you know, how many years does he have left on his contract though? Because they can't really they've got yeah, to re-sign good. Duchesne and Pavelski after this season if they can. Guys, how about how about this one? How about this one? Tyson Berry uh, is a UFA after this season. Oh, Jordan. Yeah, Tyson Berry is a UFA. Uh, how about this one though? Jordan Eberle to Florida. 
How much money does he make, though? Florida doesn't have a lot of cap. See, that's a landing spot I was thinking for Duclair. He went to the cup final with he, them last he has, season. He has familiarity with that system. Yeah, I was just yeah. here. I'll go. He ripped it up in friendly, Florida, so. dude. Ever, Everly's, Everly's 3.75 mil. Yeah, not, they don't really have the cap space yeah. for that. Florida doesn't. But um, the only reason Florida you know who, didn't re-sign Duclair is because they were like, we don't really have cap space. He he scored too much, really, for us to get him for super cheap. The Sharks got him for pretty damn cheap. The only thing is, the Sharks only have one spot that they can use to retain cap. So they're going to probably be looking to move some of their other more valuable assets and maybe retain some salary on those guys. So they can't really retain on Duclair. Uh, you just have to get like a third team involved if that's necessary. Hey, how about this one? How about a... Uh... I, I, Aaron, I know you said you don't. This is a team that doesn't really need veteran o, o guys, but uh, how about a one year rental of Detroit for Jordan Eberly? Oh, I'm I'm down for veteran offensive guys. I just don't think veteran D is in the works for them. No, I would love mm. to see him in Detroit. I mean, I think he would look really good there. Another name, another name for Detroit that's that I saw as a pending. You know, he's a pending UFA this coming year. Could be a nice reunion. Anthony Mantha. Anthony Mantha, okay. It's a name, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, it it yeah, is a that's, name. That's a Today, name. <laughs> I'm still I'm still wondering too, man, if the Rangers try to move Capo Caco, man. I don't know why. I just feel like they're fed up with him. Like La Lafreniere, by the way, he looks like he's 30. Lafreniere looks 30 years old as a 21-year-old. But Caco, like... Do you think they'd give up on him during the season, or do you think they'd wait? I don't think they're giving up on him. I think the only way they move him is if they can bring in a quality piece with a decent cap hit, someone with a lot of value, and Capo has yeah. to be part of that deal. I don't— Yeah. Like, Capo has steadily improved this season. Still, Like, he's not on this crazy high trajectory, like— like a super rocket ship to the moon curve in his development, but he is making strides every year. And, and at like, you're not just going to cut bait with somebody who invested that valuable of an asset in, unless you're getting something very valuable back in return, because he's correct. He's very young. He's still got a ton of potential. He's shown flashes. He's, he's slowly putting together all the pieces of his game that, in New York, too, we've got to remember there's not a lot of opportunity for those guys on the wing. You've got really good veterans in Panarin, uh, Kreider. Now Lafreniere is developing well. They signed Blake Wheeler, who he's actually injured now for a while. So, I mean, that might open up an opportunity for Capo. But it's, I mean, those guys, Lafreniere and Capo have been kind of pigeonholed down the lineup for so long here, and everyone wants to go you know, lose their minds over their development, not going super fast, but they're also not playing huge minutes with the best players. And now Lafreniere's up there with Panarin. He's playing big minutes with the best players and look how he's exploded this season. So I, I think Capo yeah. is far from getting kicked out the door in New York. Yeah. I just, uh, I read a lot, read a lot of whatever, but um, there's a lot the fans, the fans are fed up. Like the fans are kind of pissed off about it because they think he needed to, be the second coming of Christ since they drafted him high. But like the, the organization understands that that they are smart enough to read the context into why he hasn't scored as much as everyone thought he would. Um, 
so we've already so we've already brought up names ended in Anaheim goalie defense. Let's talk offense. Adam Henrique. This is a guy that deserves to be on a contender, man. He's going somewhere yeah. for sure. Especially with Lindholm so where, off the table now, his price just went up. Yeah, his stock is high. So where where could you see him ending up? I mean, so I'm I'm actually out here looking or sorry, I'm on the wrong on the wrong team page to look this up to see what his cap hit is. Um, but I'll tell you, but just think about it. Where, where could you guys possibly see him going? Two teams that need center, Colorado, Boston, Boston. Yep. I think, I think it's going to be a race between those guys to get him. Boy, he's a boy. He's a 5.8 cap hit. Yeah. They're going to eat half of that. Anaheim's a hundred percent eating half of that cap hit. If they want to send him to a contender. So now you're down to what? 2.8. Nine. Uh, I mean, probably about probably about two point two point four. Or or yeah, you're right. Probably about two point nine. Yeah, two point nine. My math, my math was off there. Also, if you get a third team involved, they eat half of that two point nine. Yeah. Yeah. Point four five. I yeah. mean, that's that's very manageable. More, it becomes much more doable. Look at um, Ryan O'Reilly to the cap strapped Leafs last year. Had to get laundered through uh, Bill Guerin's bank in Minnesota, but they made it work. I was also thinking about another guy, too, that we haven't mentioned yet. He's on a one-year deal in Ottawa, and they're not going anywhere. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, I, I, that, that was the team page that I had up, was was the was the Ottawa page. And winger, depth, second, third line, depending on, on the team there. I have a lot of thoughts on certain places he could end up but one i think would be cool to see would be vegas i think he i think he'd be fun to watch in vegas because they're so strong down the middle when healthy you put him on a wing he'll produce he would absolutely produce there yeah yeah i I could see that and that it also gives them some insurance in case one of their guys goes down Mm mm-hmm Again, with with some again with some again with some with some tweaking. Oh, I'm sorry, Tarasenko. I'm sorry. I thought you were still talking about Henrique. I'm sorry. I'm I'm running on fumes here, boys. You're good. No, with Tarasenko, you know, kind of same thing with Henrique. If you can get a team to eat some salary, if you can get if you can get Ottawa to maybe eat a little bit of salary or get a third team involved to eat some salary, Florida has the cap space to make that move for Tarasenko. Again, I think Florida is a team that buys at the deadline. I think they're a team that makes them, that makes a move. And I think, I think offense, I think this is a team that would like to add a little bit more offense. They've been, like even though, even if you, even if you have, but... even if you have Kachuk and these guys scoring at a high clip, man, a little bit of help from a guy like that would be huge. Yeah. And it's, it's insurance too. It, like Florida's been on fire. They're av- like they've scored seven goals in like two of their last five games. They're they're just torching teams right now. But having versatility and they're having only up guys 2-0. who can... they're only up two as we as we're talking, they're only up two zero on Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. They're it just like having versatility and options that you can move up and down the lineup definitely is huge in the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, boys, were there any other names that we didn't include in this or any teams that we didn't include that you want to talk about now? We're going to wait a little more. Until well, we I'll, well I'll t- one team, one team that I don't think we touched on that is going to be looking to fill a gap is Tampa. They're going to be looking to fill a Sergachev size gap. And, yeah. um, 
I mean, who, I mean, who do they, does this bring them in the market for a Tanev? I, I think, does this bring that, does this bring them in the market for a Labushkin? I think they're in the market for Hannafin. I think Hannafin is like expressed that he wants to go there actually, but that's, you got to make it work with the cap too, because he's going to want an extension and they're going to get those guys back from IR and that's going to take up some cap space next year. But I have to say, we were talking about Shesterkin. He just absolutely robbed Wyatt Johnson. I mean, windmill save, full splits, just completely shut him down. That's the Shesterkin we need to see in New York here, boys. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, that's encouraging. I'm sure uh, Rangers Twitter is, is absolutely popping off right now. But, um, gentlemen, we've gone over a lot of this. The trade deadline is Friday, March 8th. We will certainly be bringing you a um, great podcast that week. I'm sure there'll be some moves. Uh, we'll obviously have one in between there as well. But we may also make a feature on some other podcasts out there. So yeah, be attentive. I reached, I've been reaching out to a few people. We got some. Uh, I got a Bruins guy that would love to come on um, and talk about their, you know, their deadline and a couple other people as well. Um, that I've been reaching out to that I'll sauce over to you guys and we can review. Um, but also, if, the, if you guys want to do something on, you know, that Friday the 8th, if the listeners want anything, I will probably be, uh, you know, live tweeting all the moves like I did last year. Um, I hijack some crazy TSN stream and enjoy the sultry tones of their 12-man booth that they have for trade deadline day. And uh, I'll be keeping everybody up to date on Twitter. So uh, by all means, go in there. Make sure you're following us. I said that earlier, but make sure you're keeping up to date. I know it's obviously a, a work day, so... You all be checking uh, throughout the day, but um, other than that, boys, do we have any final thoughts as we uh, head into this crazy trade deadline and the subsequent run for the cup? You got anything, Nate? Yeah, uh, I just got two things that I, we didn't touch on. Uh, first thing, Sean Monahan, Hattie, first period Hattie against his old team, the Calgary Flames, for the Winnipeg Jets over there. I believe that was that wasn't yesterday, was it? Was it or was it yesterday? Part of our President's Day. I think it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, yesterday, part of our President's Day matinees. Yeah, 6-3, Sean Monahan with a natural hattie in the first period. So, stick tabs for Sean Monahan. Um, and then, of course, Jordan Bennington doing Jordan, Jordan Bennington-type shit, putting a cheap shot with the butt of his stick on Luke Evangelista. And Bennington getting slapped with the max under the CBA, 5K. So, fuck you, Jordan Bennington. Typical Bennington. <laughs> we knew it was coming. Typical. Um, Typical. I, I have two things as well, a couple quick hitters. Uh, Yarmir Yager goes out, uh, practices with the Pens before they retired his jersey and his return to Pittsburgh. That was awesome. Uh, that's That was just a great spectacle. He, he deserved to have his jersey retired there a long time ago. He also deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Fuck that three-year waiting period just because he's playing overseas in Europe to keep his hometown team alive. Um, second thing, Nate, you've been big on the Jake Gensel to Vancouver rumors. I don't know that they're going to make it happen after getting Lynn home, but there's, I don't a, think so either. There's another, uh, back-to-back cup winning or actually no Gensel only won one cup, but there is a back-to-back cup winning winger from Pittsburgh that has now begun skating with the Vancouver Canucks who had a good relationship with Rick Tockett who everyone's been wondering where he was this year. Phil Kessel is working out in Vancouver, 
and rumors are swirling all over the place about him potentially signing there late in the season and joining them ahead of the playoffs. So that would just be awesome to see. That makes me feel better about my uh, future that I put out there on the Canucks to win the Stanley Cup. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, man. Hell yeah. The boys at the What the Nuck pod will uh, certainly love to hear that, Nate. Um, I don't have any uh, final thoughts. I do. I did remember to bring up the uh, the Phil Kessel thing, or I forgot to bring that up, so I'm glad Nate did. Also, uh, I love Yager's quote, by the way, that I, my girlfriend wasn't alive to see me play for the Penguins, but don't worry, I've told her all the stories. What an unbelievable line from Yarmir Yager there. Just incredible that he, you know, just kind of a, you know, like a you know, little soft flex there for... For yeah. the guy in his early fifties, still playing pro hockey. This is around. this is also the same guy that he <laughs> he slept with some chick and she tried to blackmail him. She's like, I I took this picture of uh, of you in the bed after we slept together. I'm gonna share it with everyone if uh, if you don't like give me this money. And he's like, send it out. I do not care. Like, uh, you think I'm gonna be embarrassed that some smoke show sends out a picture saying she slept with me? It's I'm I'm a rock star over here in Czechia. I, I'm not bothered in the slightest i'm also not married yeah so i don't care right like he was just like whatever yeah that it's just dude vintage yager's such a rock star good for him man so um 68 will hang in the rafters in pittsburgh for uh as long as we have professional hockey in the city of pittsburgh so that will wrap up this edition of the barely hockey podcast for aaron kinney and nate mcbride i'm phil razor saying barely hockey bears well with bruce Hell of a broadcast, boys.